Here's what I know about every single person here this, who is here today. I know that every single one of us is at least part of one or two relational teams. For example, myself, I'm a part of, you know, Team Delphs. You know, there's five of us, Heather and I and the three kids. And so there's a team I'm on. You're on a similar type team. I'm on, you know, this Life Point team, all of us, but I'm also on the smaller Life Point team, you know, our staff here. Some of you are on maybe even sports teams. You have family teams. You have work teams, friendship teams, maybe a life group that you're in, and that's, you're, that's a team you're on. And the question we're asking ourselves in this series we just kicked off is, how do I be an ideal team player? I mean, how do I succeed at it? How do I win? How do I be, you know, a relational rock star? Jesus said this. He said, the world's going to know that you're on my team, that you're one of my disciples, by how well you act in relationships, by how well you actually love one another. And what we did last week, we, we led off in the series to kind of lay the foundation for what we're talking about, the foundation stones for all relationships. And we said those foundation stones for all our relationships are these two important words, value and respect. Value and respect, that we would highly value all people. Why? Because the Bible tells us all of us are created in the image of God. And we talk about this idea of respect, and, and I know my bent, your bent, our natural inclination is to respect those who are respectable, to respect those who are worthy of respect, and yet the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, to respect everyone. And in order for you and I to respect everyone, there's a practical step. That means, you know, we've got to accept our differences, and in fact, we even want to celebrate those differences. And so one of the things I'd encourage you to do in that is learn to laugh a little more. I mean, learn to embrace the differences and, and you know, don't be so uptight about them and don't be so frustrated all the time with others, but actually laugh a little and celebrate the differences. The ideal team player shows value and respect to all. Today, we're going to look at another key foundational building block for great relationships. It's something that is actually in short supply these days. It's something that C.S. Lewis once said is a great idea until someone has to actually do it themselves. In other words, he was saying, you're going to think, you know, today's sermon is a great sermon. You're going to love it until you have to apply it to yourselves, until you have to put it into practice. You see, today, we're talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is the very opposite of the way you and I are inclined. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of our natural inclination. In fact, uh, one of our most natural inclinations, I think, is captured in the title of the book, The Revenge Encyclopedia. You can find nearly 1,000 schemes and tricks to get back at people who have wronged you. Malice, payback, retribution, spite, and my favorite word, mayhem, right? You can have it all. You can get back and you can get even. You can make things right because after all, that's our natural bent. I, I got a kick out of some of the revenge suggestions. One of them, for example, have you ever loaned a book to someone and they just won't return the book? Well, the Revenge Encyclopedia tells you what to do. It says what you need to do is go to a garage sale, go out and find like 25 books that, you know, 
you know, pay like a buck for 25 books. You then mark on the inside of the book, you put a little sticker in there and says, if you find this book, return to me and I'll pay you $15. But rather than put your own name and address, you put the name and address of the person (laughs) who hasn't returned your book. And all of a sudden, the person is inundated with people wanting $15 for random books. You put it all over the city, you know, and, you know, different places and leave it. I- I'm curious, does anybody still receive calls from telemarketers? <laughs> okay. I really do hesitate to tell you this one because I'm worried that some of you will actually do it. Um, so maybe I won't. Let's move on. Oh, you want to know? Okay. It's very simple. You go get yourself a whistle. And the Revenge Encyclopedia says every time someone calls and it's a a telemarketer, you start blowing that whistle as loud as you can into the phone. Just blow and blow and blow. Revenge, it's natural. And and we we sang the song about armies rising up, and it made me think, I, I didn't write it down, but it made me think of, the greatest army rising up of all time is the army of the nerds rising against the jocks with the movie Revenge of the Nerds, right? I mean, who, would you rank that in like in an all-time top 20? Raise your hands, right? So if you've seen it, raise your hand. Okay, right? A bunch of you haven't seen it. Man, pull out the little kid in you and go see it. Revenge is part of our natural inclination. RottenTomatoes.com will eat, or Rotten Tomatoes, RottenRoses.com. Well, did I say Rotten Tomatoes in the first service? I did, and you didn't correct me. RottenRoses.com will even send dead flowers to somebody on your behalf. Let's face it, forgiveness is hard. I mean, it isn't easy to forgive when we've been wronged. So what is forgiveness? We can talk and forgive, forgive, forgive. What is it? I I love what Thomas Watson said, his description of forgiveness. It's a great definition. He was a Puritan. He lived about 400 years ago. He wrote in his book, The Body of Divinity. And here's what he said about forgiveness. He said, this is forgiveness. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, we're just talking, that's our natural inclination, so we strive against all thoughts of revenge. When we will not do mischief, but wish well to them, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them, which means come to their aid. Wow. That's what a relational rock star, an ideal team player looks like. And I know, I know, I know, I know, it's not easy. And we struggle with this. In fact, the reality is some of us in this room this morning, we're struggling right now in our relationships or with a relationship. And some of you are here this morning and you are struggling with bitterness. You are struggling with letting things go. You can't seem to release it. There's some incredible hurt and pain going on inside your life. You might even be tremendously isolated as a result of it. And if you continue to allow that to grow and build up inside of you, then you might make a decision like the one I read about in the Huffington Post. The article was entitled, She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. 
It was all those years, as you go through the article, of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness that she had towards her husband. And so the dishes by the sink, it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. She was finally done. But that's what happens in your life and my life when we take hold of bitterness. When we hold on to it, but the reality is when we hold on to bitterness, when we hold on to a grudge, it actually has a hold of us. And whether you've been lied to or lied about, whether you've been cheated or misrepresented, whether you've been harmed or your reputation's been harmed or someone's trying to destroy your reputation, whether you've been used, abused, or mistreated, whatever it may be, when trust is broken, when trust is broken, it affects you. It affects your relationships until you and I choose to lean into forgiveness, which is why the Bible actually talks about this topic of forgiveness so much. And today we're going to look at one of those times. Matthew chapter 18, if you haven't turned there yet, I I want you to go there now. We're going to pick up in verse 21. One time Peter asked Jesus about this whole forgiveness thing. And in Matthew 18, verse 21, it says this, Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I what? How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. To which you might be thinking, okay, I've forgiven 76 times, I only have one to go. That's what he's talking about. Luke chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus said it this way, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and say, I repent, you must what? You must forgive them. In other words, what Jesus is saying, what he's calling us to is, you ready for this? Unlimited forgiveness. Unlimited forgiveness towards others. Really? He's calling us to that? How can that happen? How can we possibly get to that point as a disciple of Jesus? How can we demonstrate that type of love and be that type of ideal team player? Well, Jesus is going to go on and he's going to tell us a story. And in in the story, I think you and I can begin to discover steps we can take that can get us there so that we can demonstrate, so that we can show forgiveness to others. So let's continue on. The first forgiveness step for you and I to take that we discover in the story is that you and I need to revisit our own credit card statement. Now, I'll explain what that means in a minute. Revisit our own credit card statement. Uh, Look in Matthew chapter uh, 18. In verse 23, Jesus now begins to tell a story to talk about this whole forgiveness thing. And Jesus says there's a king, and the king has this servant, and this servant owes, owes him an amount of money that can never be repaid because it's so much money. We pick up the story in verse 26. Matthew 18, 26, the servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. Which, of course, is wishful thinking because it was so much he could never repay it back. But he, he's begging him. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him. That word pity literally means had compassion. He felt compassion. So because the king felt compassion, what did he do? Notice what it says, verse 27. So the king canceled the debt and let him go. I mean, 
it would be hard for us to imagine what's going on here. So just try to, just track with me for a second. Imagine me, let's use, since this was like a financial transaction, you, let's use that. Imagine you owe a credit card company, you know, a billion dollars. And even if you were to settle at 10 cents on the dollar, that's still a hundred million dollars. So imagine you owe that and you know you can never, ever, ever possibly repay it. So you go into the local Citibank or Wells Fargo or, you know, B of A and you walk in and you talk to a manager, tell them your situation and you're like, please have mercy on me, you know, have compassion on me. I, I, I can't repay this. They go, they talk to some people, they come back and say, listen, we really feel for you and what you're going through. So we're going to wipe out all your debt. You don't owe us a cent, not now, not in the future. Consider your debt canceled. And though that's inconceivable, that's what's happening in this story. That's the picture, the illustration Jesus is giving. Now, just a, a point to note so you can kind of understand what we're talking about here. We find out in the story that the king actually represents God. And the servant represents us. And the idea is this, is that you and I owe God more than we could ever possibly repay him. Because of our sin, we owe God more than we could ever repay. So God's idea, what God does for us, is he's willing to wipe the slate clean in our lives, to forgive us of our sins, to give us a fresh start through a relationship with Jesus. And that's the bigger part of what this story shares with us. So what does it mean then to revisit our credit card statement? Now, if you use a credit card statement or use a credit card, I, I don't encourage you to do that, but, but I know the reality is a lot of you, a lot of us, I included, we have credit cards. Has there ever been a time, maybe it's January, maybe it's like July or August, have there ever been a time where you get your credit card statement and you look at the amount and it's more than you thought? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Okay, be honest, come on now. You've been there, right? Thank you for the honest people, everybody else. Uh, you know, well, that's between you and God. <laughs> or you don't have one because you're following Dave Ramsey all the way through and he's not a swear word in your life, so that's good. So, <laughs> so you look at the credit card statement and you're like, oh my goodness, I owe that much money. And you're like, I, I, there's no way I owe that much money. But then what do you do? You go down and you look through this, the, the, you know, the charges. And all of a sudden your mind goes, oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I've been using that item I bought from Best Buy for 30 days. I forgot it was 30 days ago. And oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that's right. Relationally speaking, isn't it true that you and I tend to forget the wrongs that we do towards others, but we have a great list of the wrongs people have done to us. We forget how we've done something to others, but man, our list of what they've done to us, it's crystal clear. In the same way, you and I have a tendency to forget the sin in our own lives. We just do. So I want you to think about your own sin credit card with God, your own sin credit card statement. Every time that you or I have a lustful thought, every time towards a person or towards something that we're lusting after, every time that we shade the truth a little bit, every time you know we do that for our own advantage, every time we lie or cheat or steal or whatever, you can go through the Bible, and every single time, if God rolled out your sin credit card statement, short or long, 
Short or long? Long. It wouldn't be pretty. Yet God is willing to forgive us and give us chance upon chance upon chance. Colossians chapter 2 said it this way. It said, he God, and what's the word? He what? He, he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. So embrace God's forgiveness of you by remembering how much you've truly been forgiven. Embrace it by remembering the sin credit card statement that God forgave of you and canceled that debt for you. Romans 4.23 says, forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Though there's nothing you and I could have done to earn it or deserve it, God forgave us. Therefore, you and I are empowered to forgive other people. Why? Because forgiven people can then forgive. If you understand that you're a forgiven person, you can then forgive. So go back. Go back and revisit your sin credit card statement with God. Be reminded from time to time of all the charges that God has canceled against you. Why do that? Why remember that? Because then you'll remember how much God loved you. You'll remember how much mercy he demonstrated to you. You'll remember how forgiving he was towards you, and he wants you now to then go show that to others. So start by revisiting our own sin credit card statement. The next step for you and I to actually be a relational rock star, be an ideal team player, and to be able to be people who can forgive, the next step is for us to resign as the repo man. Resign as the repo man. Now, what does that mean? Has anybody here ever watched an episode or a season or multiple seasons or 11 seasons of the show Operation Repo? Anybody here that even heard that? Okay, so a few of you, you've watched that, right? Thank you. A few of you have seen that. There are 11 seasons. I mean, like, really? These highly trained professionals would go out and they would repossess vehicles from people who had not paid back their debts. Well, in Jesus' story here in Matthew 18, one of our main characters, this forgiven character, he decides to become a repo guy. So he now wants to go out and collect on a debt that hasn't been paid to him. I don't want you to miss this. This guy had, 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 had received or, or had a debt that was astronomical, and the king canceled it. A debt he could never repay. Millions, millions, billions of dollars. He then goes out, decides to be a repo guy, go to another individual who owes him like 20 bucks, is what the Bible tells us. And the guy who owes him 20 bucks is like, listen, I don't have it. I'll work for it. I'll pay you back. Have mercy on me. The repo guy says, no, that ain't good enough. And then he decides to put him in a headlock. You know, that's what the Bible said. Matthew 18, he grabbed him and began to choke him. So he's got him in this headlock. Well, the king hears about this, and he's not happy. So the king calls in repo guy. Look at Matthew 18, verse 32. And notice what the king says to repo guy. He says, you wicked servant, the king said, I canceled all your debts because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had what? Notice the word. Shouldn't you have had what? Shouldn't you have had mercy? On your fellow servant, just as I had on you? Man, that's the big question that God asks every single one of us. God says, man, I've shown mercy to you. 
I've forgiven, to you, forgiven you. Your sin credit card statement was beyond repayable. I forgave you. I show mercy to you. Shouldn't you and I then show mercy to our brother, to our sister? Shouldn't we go out and demonstrate that? What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Showing mercy is not getting what we deserve. God says, you are not going to get what you deserve. What you and I deserve because of our sin credit card statement is we deserve eternal death, eternal separation from God because of that sin credit card statement. We don't get it. God's great desire is that we resign the life of being a repo man. Stop trying to collect Stop, stop trying to always, you know, give somebody what they deserve. Stop trying to collect on the debt that someone has spoken that, you know, that one thing against you that was offensive to you or that you felt hurt by or whatever it is. It's so insignificant compared to the debt that God canceled with you. But pastor, pastor, I hear what you're saying and it sounds good, but you, pastor, you don't understand. This person has wronged me seriously wrong me why should i forgive why should i show mercy pastor shouldn't justice prevail great question thank you for asking it's a good question and i hope you hear this it's not an either or it's not an either or the focus of forgiveness actually isn't justice the focus of forgiveness is actually our heart that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, what do I mean by that? Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you act like nothing happened, like nothing occurred, whatever it might be in your life. You'll have to deal with that. If you break into my house, you know, and, at night and, and, you know, you come the next day and say, Pastor, will you forgive me? Yeah, yeah, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to give you keys to my house. I'm not going to invite you over anytime soon. If a young bride is weeks away from marriage but finds out her fiancé has a major, you know, drug addiction and, and you know, he owes like $20,000 to some shady characters and he comes to her and she finds out, he's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to pay it back and I'll stop using. Will you forgive me? What's the answer? Should she forgive him? What's the answer? Absolutely. Should she get married in two weeks? No way. <laughs> no way. Why? Because they have some major issues to work through. And that's the deal with this forgiveness thing and justice thing. There's still consequences. There's still reap what you sow. It doesn't assume that nothing happened. Or another way to say it, forgiveness is different than trust. I love how Proverbs puts it beautifully. Chapter 22 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple, they just keep going and then they pay the penalty. You see, forgiveness is not the same as justice. Forgiveness is releasing or surrendering our personal right to take vengeance. Sure, the law may still be involved. Sure, the reap what you sow may still be involved, but we surrender our right to pay back, to get retribution. Vengeance, or Deuteronomy 23 says this, God says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. So what does God call you and I to do then? I think Jesus is the perfect model of the step for us to take. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this. It says, when they hurled insults at Jesus, it says Jesus didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he didn't make threats at them. Instead, 
Notice the word. It's a very interesting word. He entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. That's the key for you and I. Forgiveness is about entrusting yourself to him, entrusting your heart to him. Entrust means we leave our case in God's hands. We resign as the repo man. We say, God, you know the truth. You intervene here. We leave our case in your hands. We entrust ourselves to you so that you can move in a powerful way, in a mighty way. That may involve, that may involve the law. It will involve consequences, but we trust God. We entrust ourselves to him. And some of you this morning, God's word for you in the midst of the challenge you're going through and you don't even see a way out yet, you start with entrusting yourself to God. What did the king do next? After he heard about this, he calls the repo guy in. Look at Matthew 18, verse 34. Here's what he did in his anger after hearing this. The master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then we get this haunting passage of Scripture, this warning from Jesus in verse 35. In other words, look back at verse 34. The master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he should owe. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you what? Unless you forgive your brother or sister. And I really wish Jesus would just have had the period right there. But he said, unless you forgive from your what? From your Jesus, Jesus, why the heart thing? Couldn't I just went through the motions and like, all right, I forgive you. I forgive you. No, Jesus is telling us forgiveness is non-negotiable. And if I'm going to be an ideal team player, I'm going to be a disciple of his. I will demonstrate forgiveness. And the type of forgiveness I demonstrate is something that comes from my heart, meaning it's real, it's genuine, it's sincere. Forgiveness from the heart, it's not easy. So how do we get there? How do we do that? Just a couple practical steps that you and I are going to need if we're going to actually forgive from our hearts. And it starts with praying. It starts with praying. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. We cannot forgive someone on our own strength and on our own power. It's not possible. In fact, the Bible talks about the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? And, and, and Jesus said, I'll, I'll tell you how to pray. And one of the things he said, when you pray, when you go to God, you actually say to God, God, would you forgive us? In Matthew 6, will you forgive us of our debts, which is sins, as we also forgive it, forgive our debtors, or our sin, those who sin against us. And Jesus doesn't want us to misunderstand here, so he states it categorically what he's talking about. If you're going to pray this to God, God, forgive us of our sins, as I'm going to forgive others who sin against me. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Augustine called this passage, this prayer, the terrible petition. And the reason he called it the terrible petition is because he realized that if you and I go to God and if we say to God and if we pray before God, if we petition before God, God, forgive us of our sins while having an unforgiving heart towards others, we're actually asking God not to forgive us of our sins. 
If you didn't understand that, let me give you another way. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. Unless you have forgiven others, you read your own death warrant when you repeat the Lord's Prayer. How's that for clarity? How do we do that? How do we, how do we forgive like that? Well, we say, God, give me the strength. Give me the power to do what you've called me to do. I can't do it on my own. God, I, I'm struggling with this. I, I, I want to forgive, and I can't release it, and I need your help. You go to God in prayer. Secondly, you've you got to leave room for God's work. You've got to leave room for God to work. You trust God. We tr- I trust God. We trust God's will, God's way, and God's time. You and I don't always see the big picture. We don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. So trust God. Leave room for him to work. How do you leave room for God to work in a circumstance, in a situation? The best step you and I can take is we show, we demonstrate, we express kindness. Romans 12, verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This week I was... Um, I, I was at a, a chiropractor, and uh, Shanna works there at the front desk, uh, awesome lady. We've had a lot of good conversations, and I said, you know, there wasn't anybody in there this day, and I said, so, so how's it going? I had a little extra time, and she said, it's going okay, but we're having some real issues here in the office lately. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, we're having major issues, and there's some people who are just making it m- absolutely miserable for everybody else. I'm like, oh, man, you got some doctors who are you know not treating people well and she's like no it's the patients <laughs> like really yeah she's like yeah they're, they're they come in and it's so bad every it's like tense around here and it's awful and it's terrible and i'm getting really frustrated but she said this but my faith is causing me to show kindness i grabbed my attention i was like oh that's interesting i'm actually talking about that this sunday so i asked i said so how do you do that how do you show kindness when these people are just you know, maybe just kick them out and tell them go somewhere. I mean, I'm thinking all these other thoughts, you know. Revenge Encyclopedia, I got one for you, Shannon. Try this. <laughs> and she said this. She said, I've made a choice to show kindness. She made a choice. And it's taken a little bit, a, wh- a little while, she said, but I'm actually now starting to see people, here was her word, I'm starting to see people soften. See, that's leaving room for God to work. God's will, God's way, God's time. Trust God. And people will respond eventually to the kindness possibly. What about you today? Will you make that choice to obey God by expressing kindness to others? It doesn't mean you become a doormat for somebody. There can and and will be the need for boundaries still. If you have never read the book by um, Henry Cloud and, and John Townsend entitled Boundaries, I would encourage you to get it and read it. It's the best book on this topic, but there are still boundaries. There are still consequences. There are still, you know, reap what you sow. There are still having crucial conversations and honest conversations, but you let go by entrusting yourself to God. LifePoint church member Jim Bass, who's part of our security team here at LifePoint, he serves on that team. He did an amazing job, phenomenal job this week. On Thursday night, he came down and shared with the students some of his life story. And I love what Jim said. He said a lot. It was so rich. But one of the things Jim shared that, that just grabbed me, because Jim's life circumstances, part of his story, are such that he needed to forgive because it was destroying him. 
And here's what grabbed me. Someone had told Jim, and Jim then started to practice it. Jim said this. He said, I started saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Eventually, after saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, over and over and over, it became his prayer. Eventually, that actually started to grab his heart. And he eventually got to the place where there was genuine heart forgiveness. Here's the point. He was choosing to forgive because he knew his lack of forgiveness was making him an angry person, a bitter person. He knew it was affecting all of his relationships because he had not yet forgiven. What about you this morning? Will you be an ideal team player? Will you be a relational rock star? By saying, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to make that choice. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And when you struggle with that, you pull up your sin credit card statement to remember how much God loves you and forgave you. You don't, you let God work it out. You pray. You go to him and you pray and you just keep demonstrating kindness, kindness, kindness. Will you make that choice this morning? Shanna did. Jim did. Will you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I know this morning I, I talked to a few pe- different people actually and they're already loving this series and I found myself saying, God, that we may not love it after today because the reality is, God, this is this is where it grabs us. But this is why forgiveness is part of the foundation of, of all relationships. And God, you showed us what it looks like. You loved us so much that you died so that we could live. You forgave us of our sin. You canceled our debt. So God, let us draw upon that. God, hear our prayers right now. If you're here this morning and you have never come to that place where you have accepted Jesus' love for you, you believe in him, but you've never received him in your life as your Lord and Savior. And he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he will cancel your sin debt and he will invite you into his family. And if that's you and you're ready to say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to come into your family. If you want to pray that, would you just pray with me right now? It's not the exact words. It's more that you would mean it in your heart. Would you just pray something like this? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to break the chains that have held on to me so tightly. Thank you for canceling my sin debt so that I could have an eternal relationship with you. And as best as I know how right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me a new life, giving me a new future. And I pray this in Jesus' name. God, hear those prayers. And we rejoice with those who have just prayed that for the first time and even those who continue to pray it. But God, we also pray for those here this morning who they are struggling with this topic. God, would you fill them with your peace, fill them with your presence, give them courage to take a step, to make a choice, to forgive those who've sinned against them.
And I ask for this and pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.